0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 37, You Must Look. So we're picking up today where we left off last week. We left off with Laman and Lemuel not believing that Nephi could construct a ship, or even believing that he was commanded to construct a ship in the first place by the Lord. Their resistance to Nephi's leadership and his intention resurfaced all of their grudges. I'd like to say past grudges, But something tells me that these grudges were kept close to their heart, rehearsed over and over again, and were now a part of their tissue. Bitterly, they accused their father of leading them out of Jerusalem because of his foolish imaginations, and that he had judged, or really misjudged, the people of Jerusalem. Laman and Lemuel believed that the people of Jerusalem were righteous, that they kept all the commandments of God, and that they were being falsely accused by Lehi. And Nephi was like their father. Eight years. Eight years of resentment, complaining, anger, and resistance. Now here they are, truly at a crossroads. Their tents are on the shores of the ocean. I mean, they're in a pretty good spot, but they aren't where they need to be yet. And isn't it interesting that we don't hear them arguing about staying where they're at, and we don't even hear solutions or ideas as to where they should go from there. We just hear stirring ups of old arguments, always rehashing grievances. Nephi's response, though, gives us a fantastic insight into one of his key motivators that keeps him continuing on despite the difficult journey that he too was experiencing. His response to his brethren Do you believe that our fathers, who were the children of Israel, would have been led away out of the hands of the Egyptians if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? Yea, do you suppose that they would have been led out of bondage if the Lord had not commanded Moses that he should lead them out of bondage? Nephi had picked up on a type or a shadow of the workings of our Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the similarities between the great exodus of the Israelites being led by a great prophet named Moses to a promised land And he saw the connection between them and the families of Lehi and Ishmael being commanded to leave Jerusalem and follow a prophet of God named Lehi to a promised land. In fact, throughout the Book of Mormon, the prophet Moses was continually brought up to remembrance. Thanks was often expressed for his faithfulness and his diligence in leading a difficult people out of a difficult situation through much affliction to a land of promise. Are the similarities beginning to echo in your mind as well? Moses walked the earth nearly 800 years before Nephi Ever left Jerusalem. Yet he was their history, a founding father, if you will. Their rules were based on the law of Moses, and their yearly celebration of the Passover kept him alive in their hearts, intentionally. He was the one thing that Nephi could find commonality between he and his brethren. It was perhaps their only shared, wherefore can ye doubt moment. And in studying Moses, I found in the Institute's Old Testament student manual that, quote, So great was Moses that forever after the Lord and his people have used him as a standard or model of a prophet. Even Jesus Christ was called a prophet like unto Moses. When you think of such a man, you imagine he must have been charismatic, powerful, a great organizer, bold and daring and courageous, and a brilliant speaker. And perhaps he was. Nephi did say to his brethren when trying to persuade them to try again to get the brass plates, even though they'd been chased by Laban's guards who were trying to kill them, he said to them, let us be strong like unto Moses. Yet the scriptures also say that now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's found in Numbers chapter 12 verse 3. Is meekness strength? Do you value it as such? Elder Ulysses Ulyssesaurus said that meekness is the quality of those who are God-fearing, righteous, humble, teachable, and patient under suffering. Those who possess this attribute are willing to follow Jesus Christ and their temperament is calm, docile, tolerant, and submissive. Is there someone in your life who is an example of meekness? There is a man in my ward who is a faithful son of God. He accepts his callings. He serves without fanfare. He is reliable and diligent. He is quiet and unassuming, as gentle as a child, and even patient with the rambunctious children of the ward. I don't see him socialize much. He is there to worship and keep his covenants. One Sunday, though, as I looked upon the stand, I became excited. He had been asked to speak during the sacrament meeting. Truthfully, I hadn't ever taken the opportunity to hear more than a handful of words come out of his mouth, and I saw this as a day or an opportunity really to connect with him, even though I was sitting in our usual spot way back in the overflow seats. But regardless, what transpired touched my heart. He was soft-spoken, meek in the truest sense of the word. Yet the message that he delivered was powerful. He shared various experiences in his life, some that could have easily gone unnoticed by someone like me, who is often experiencing life at a fast-paced speed. Yet he had captured them, he had written them down, and then he found God in them. As he testified of his Savior, Jesus Christ, it was personal to him, and it soothed my heart. I felt warm and peaceful. I was put at ease by the calm that this brother cast upon those of the congregation who wished to accept it. You see, I'm working on meekness. I've got some of the basics down, but there is still much work that I need to do in order to have this attribute be one of mine. But I was impacted by the Christ-like leadership not valued by the world but valued by our Savior, that someone of meekness has upon my soul. When we keep in mind that Moses was a meek, but was able to accomplish the work of God here on earth, to the degree that over 3,000 years later, we are still studying him, we can see that meekness does not equal weakness Nephi needed his brethren to see that Moses was a shadow of what they must be. He needed them to see that the exodus was a shadow of what they were experiencing. And speaking of shadows and types, Moses was also a similitude of Jesus Christ. If one could appreciate the attributes and actions taken by Moses, surely one can accept the life of Jesus Christ. Quickly considering just some of the similarities between the great prophet and the redeemer. Here's just a couple. From the start of life, both had their life threatened by the ruler of the land. Moses delivered Israel from physical bondage, and Jesus Christ came to deliver them from spiritual bondage. Moses mediated between the slothful children of Israel and God pleading their cause, asking for forgiveness of their transgressions, loving his people despite their hard hearts, and even offering his own life to appease justice because of their wickedness, just like the Savior does, did, and will do for each one of us. You might even be thinking, I can liken Moses even unto Nephi. Nephi must have studied this great prophet captured in the brass plates. He must have strived to be as patient under the pressures of murmuring family members and afflictions as Moses was. Both men could have thrown their hands up and forsaken those that were dragging their feet, bringing them into famine and difficulty and lengthening their journey considerably. But both men held on, used persuasion, pleaded with their people to repent, And strive to be close to their God throughout all of it. Never giving up. Though Nephi did not say it in so many words, I believe that Nephi needed his brothers to desire to be strong like Moses. To find strength in meekness. To fear God. To seek after righteousness. To be teachable by the Lord. To be patient in their sufferings. And to trust to trust that the Lord will truly show unto them how to construct a ship. So Nephi asked them to remember what they already knew. He said, Ye know that the children of Israel were in bondage. Ye know they were laden with tasks which were grievous to be borne." And I would add here, based on reading the Old Testament, that while they had suffered physically under a dominating political entity, that the children of Israel had also suffered spiritually, almost experiencing spiritual suffocation, leading to an immaturity or a lack of self-sufficiency. They were truly, in every sense of the word, in bondage. So continuing on, Nephi recalls for them, Ye know that it must needs be a good thing for them, that they should be brought out of bondage. Ye know that Moses was commanded of the Lord to do that great work. Ye know that by his word the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither, and they passed through on dry ground. Ye know that the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea, who were the armies of Pharaoh. Ye know that they were fed with manna in the wilderness." Ye also know that Moses, by his word, according to the power of God, which was in him, smote the rock, and there came forth water, that the children of Israel might quench their thirst. And how was this all possible? Because their Lord, their God, their Redeemer, went before them, leading them by day and giving light unto them by night. He did all things for them— which were expedient or convenient or practical for them to receive. But Israel still blinded their minds and hardened their hearts and reviled or criticized in an abusive and angrily insulting manner, both Moses and God. Can you imagine the strength that meekness provided Moses in such moments? To be led by God, To represent God, to show miraculous things unto your people, and yet to be reviled by them? And then how do you don't spin out? (laughs) You don't give up. You keep learning from God. You keep trying to teach your people. You keep being patient under your sufferings. And you remain calm, submissive to God, and tolerant of a people who were struggling in their faith. The power of God was with Moses because of his ability to do all of that. And the power of God truly led this people, meeting them where they were at. Sometimes it wasn't very pretty, but still God met them where they were at and was willing to baby step them to where they needed to be. Don't get me wrong. The Lord didn't cut corners. He didn't make exceptions. He was to have a prepared people. When Nephi says that by his word he did destroy them, yeah, that's what happened. 38 years of wandering and several rebellions later, only three men, Joshua, Calin, and Moses himself were alive out of the group that had left Egypt. The Lord had kept his word that all those who were 20 years and older at the beginning of their exodus would die in the wilderness because of their murmurings. But lest you think that this was a harsh thing of God to do, I ask you to remember like Nephi instructed Laman and Lemuel, that the Lord loveth those who will have him to be their God. He loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God did all of this for Israel because he remembered the covenants that he had made to these patriarchs. The Lord also esteems all flesh in one, meaning he is not a respecter of persons. Nephi explains that never would the Lord have allowed the Israelites to destroy righteous children of the Lord. When they entered the promised land and scattered to destruction the previous occupants, this was only possible after Israel had sanctified themselves to be worthy of the Lord's power. He that is righteous is favored of God. He that accepts his word, repents, and comes unto him is favored by the Lord. Nephi testifies that the Lord created this earth, that we should inhabit it, that the Lord rules high in the heavens, that it is his throne, and that the earth is his footstool, that the Lord will lead away the righteous into precious lands, and the wicked he destroys and curseth the land for their sakes. If you don't walk away with anything else from this episode, please take note of this our Lord in his mercy will meet us where we are at and he will baby step us out of our ignorance and into his light. But we must be willing to strive for meekness and loneliness of heart so that we can be movable by him. Even when in the wilderness, after the Lord had strengthened them against the Canaanites to the point of utterly destroying the Canaanites, The Israelites journeyed on, complaining against Moses about why he had taken them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, where there is no bread and no water, and their souls loathed the manna. The Lord responded in their ingratitude by sending fiery serpents to straighten them out in the wilderness. For as Nephi said, their hearts had become hard because of their iniquity. And these fiery serpents bit the people, and much the people of Israel died. And in humility, the remaining approached Moses, confessing their utterances against the Lord, and asked Moses to pray, to pray to the Lord that he might take away the serpents. Moses did pray, and the Lord provided a way for the people to be healed after they were bitten. Moses was instructed by the Lord to make a fiery serpent and to set it upon a pole. All that Israel had to do, if bitten by the fiery serpents, was to look upon Moses' pole and they would live. Notice, though, the Lord did not take away the serpents like the people wanted him to, like we sometimes desire him to. Instead, he created a path for them to be healed. They just needed to look. But as Nephi points out, it was too simple. The way was too easy. And many perished because they did not look. When we are anything but meek like Moses, we get caught up in our assumptions that every big problem needs a huge solution. Laman and Lemuel were stuck in the thought that neither Nephi nor they could construct a ship. For those of us who are still working on developing meekness, we get it. We can see the tremendous faith that such a task would require. It takes faith to apologize. It takes faith to turn from anger. It takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to pray for instruction and to receive it. It takes faith to work through pain, both physical and emotional. It takes faith to be humble, to be taught of God who we can't see. It takes faith to trust, to believe that God's way is the best way, even though we think our way is pretty great. It takes faith to hear the whisperings of the Spirit and to believe that it is the Spirit. But let us be strong like Moses. Let us look When the Lord says, look, let us pray. When the Lord says, pray, let us love reading his word. Let us love our neighbors. Let us make time for him. Let us repent when we falter and trust his words. When he says he will forgive us. Let us, when we get bitten by the fiery serpents of our day, let us look to Jesus Christ. Let us look and use his atonement and believe it does have the power to heal us even though the pain from the bite is so strong and real. Let us strive to be like Moses, meek and strong, God-fearing, humble, teachable, and patient under our sufferings. Let us develop the temperament that is submissive to our God, tolerant of other humans who aren't perfect yet, and calm in manner so that we can become vessels worthy of his instruction because we do need it we will need to know what manner he would have us navigate our families our personal journeys back to him and to know how he would have us best strengthen zion we must become ready to look and live Sister Scriptorians, I encourage you to come to know Moses a little better this week, to learn to love him as much as the Nephites did, to discover through prayer one thing, just one thing, you can do to become meek and moldable into what God needs you to be, to be open to his matchless power, and to meekly follow where he is trying to lead you. Have a good day.